Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series. Our mission at Better Boards is to provide proven solutions for creating more effective boards. Our evidence-based board evaluations and board development programs deliver tangible results. To fulfill our mission, we listen and give a voice to all who care about creating better boards. Every time you tune in, we'll help you to develop and reinvigorate your board know-how and practice with insights, data and practical advice. All the views expressed in our podcast are the views of our podcast partners and not those of better boards. I'm delighted that Lindsay Hooper is joining me on this episode. Lindsay is an executive director at the Institute for Sustainability Leadership at the University of Cambridge. She leads the Institute's education and advisory teams, which support major global organizations, boards and individual leaders to build the capability to align economic performance with the delivery of positive outcomes for society. Welcome, Lindsay. I'm absolutely delighted to speak with Lindsay Hooper. Lindsay Hooper is the director at the Cambridge Institute of Sustainable Leadership. Welcome, Lindsay. Hello. Can you help our listeners to understand what sustainable leadership really means? Yes, that's a big question that could have a long answer. I'll try to be as concise and, and clear as possible. So our view of what sustainable leadership means is really as simple as leading the institution in a way that enables it to succeed in the long term. So able to keep creating value for society and delivering the necessary returns for it to thrive in the long term. And the sustainable aspect of this is not just about long term. It means having to navigate new, growing, urgent social and environmental challenges, particularly the challenge of climate change, which are really posing material risks and opportunities, really new significant risks and opportunities for businesses across a whole range of sectors. But it's not just a question of one's resilience to those trends and challenges. It's also about your impact. We know that business is a huge, in many ways, force for good in economies, but the unintended consequences of business as usual is really having significant negative impacts. So if we're going to have thriving societies, we're going to have healthy workforces and markets, we're going to have a planet that provides all of the inputs that we need for the economy, we need businesses also to be working in ways that really support positive, flourishing environment and society. So it's both that resilience, but it's also impact as well. So what has really changed in terms of leadership behaviors? What good leadership looked like in the 90s? What is so different about good leadership today? So some of it is really about understanding the new risks. So some of it is much more about um, contextual and systemic understanding. So understanding the new risks that emerge, particularly from climate change, for instance. So, of course, there are the physical and direct risks, weather events, parts of the world where you can't rely on, on water availability to operate your plants, your power stations, your mines, or where you can no longer grow crops that you could. So there are new ways in which some of these environmental risks that might have been seen just as reputational are now showing up as really material business risks, but the businesses and leaders don't have the insight or the systems to be able to factor these in. What's also changed is societies and stakeholders' expectations of business. So that has changed really significantly. 
It's no longer enough for businesses just to deliver profits to their shareholders. Increasingly, businesses are expected to deliver positive benefits for society. You know, they have the most amazing talent, entrepreneurial drive, assets, distribution capability. Society is just expecting business to step up and use those assets to deliver what it needs. So it's both that changing context and how that will really disrupt business and those expectations of business leadership to solve these challenges that we all face. So our listeners sit on board. What does it mean really for them? How should they approach the next board meeting maybe differently in the face of these challenges? That's a really good question. So I think one of the, maybe if I um, step back, we do a lot of work with board directors, either individual board directors who've recognized how significant these issues are, have recognized that there will likely be really significant disruptions to the businesses, to the strategies, the financial performance of the companies on whose boards they sit and have chosen to kind of upskill, educate themselves, get their heads around this so they're well equipped. We also work in-house with boards where typically one board director or the chairman or the executive might have brought us in to work with the board where maybe they aren't prepared beforehand and we will face a whole range of challenges, assumptions, sometimes cynicism there. So I think it can be helpful perhaps for individual directors to recognize and anticipate the kinds of challenges, pushback, assumptions that their peers may be sitting with. So it's not just a case of educating oneself, but it's recognizing the potential Sometimes misperceptions and assumptions that their peers may be bringing to those conversations and thinking about how they can anticipate and address those because a lot of those are valid concerns and questions. So maybe before we move on to the actual behaviors we need to see, talk a little bit more about these assumptions. With what assumptions do people come to you or what sure. assumptions do you see in boardrooms? So we do increasingly see really thought, very smart, enlightened individuals who really get that this is really serious, that are real fundamental challenges to business as usual. But we still also see increasingly, the more we work with boards, to be frank, we see a lot of non-execs who have often those who've worked in sectors which to date have not been threatened or faced significant challenges will often be the people who are most skeptical about the materiality of these issues tend to be those people who think that perhaps this is exaggerated. Campaigners, activists, anti-capitalist campaigners are exaggerating the scale of the challenge or the urgency of the challenge. So they may come in thinking, yes, it's a thing, but it's not that bad. There are other bigger priorities for society. Or they may think it's a thing, but it's a longer term. It's a longer range challenge. Or that frankly, yes, it, it's real, but it's not our challenge. This is not going to materially affect our business. And so it's not a thing that we should be giving time to. So we still see that. And we still see board directors thinking that this is really just a reputational challenge. We need to do our bit, but it's not our job to solve climate change. So that's the first piece that we get. We then also get the challenge, and this is a human challenge, this is not specific to board directors, we all have this challenge, our inability to imagine a different future. So the disruption is going to be so significant, it's hard to imagine what that might look like. It's hard to imagine what anything other than business as usual might look like. Because we can't visualize that and imagine it, or we don't have the evidence or clear transition pathways, we tend to default to what we know and incremental improvements. And that will leave us 
at real risk because there's a huge gap between those incremental improvements and what the science, what climate scientists like Emily Shapra tell us is absolutely necessary. And then we also have the challenge or the assumptions that because we can't make money from this in the short term, we don't have to do it. So uh, we'll wait till we can see how we can make a profit. We'll wait to see how we can have certainty about transition pathways. When we have that clarity, certainty in the economics work, then we'll take action. But of course, the science doesn't wait until it's convenient and economically viable. So that kind of dissonance we see. These are fantastic insights. I heard this a lot as well. And I would love that our listeners understand that they are not alone in facing these assumptions. So people who are exposed to these assumptions, what should they do in the boardroom? I would start by, and I think it's really important to start by educating oneself, to really take the time to understand, understand the science, the trends, the data, so that you're well armed with the evidence and you feel that you can really defend uh, position. These are complex issues and there are challenges. Yes, some of the actions we may need to take may lead to job cuts. That's a really tough one. So really understanding some of the complexity, but also really understanding what are the material risks and opportunities for the business. Where is it going to be really exposed, whether it's to physical risks, transition, new liabilities, whether it's going to be out of step with what its investors are now pushing for, where is it going to miss out on big new opportunities? So I think arming yourself both with the evidence base so you have the confidence to be able to take a position and to challenge, and where you have a really clear narrative about how it relates to the way that the business creates value, its commercial performance, its long-term strategy. So it's clearly really directly relevant. And I think that this point around a willingness and a recognition, this will take challenge. It will take the confidence and the willingness to challenge business as usual is really important. We had a fantastic podcast with Professor Amy Edmondson from Harvard Business School who talked about psychological safety in the boardroom and how difficult it is really for individuals to challenge, to step out, step up, uh, particularly if a chairman or other board members are well known. What advice do you give people? How do you equip them to really do this? Yes, that's a really good challenge and that is such a common challenge that the individual directors that we work with are often facing. I think one is trying to create a context in which that conversation can, can happen outside the busyness of a full board agenda. So finding a way for the board to be able to give some dedicated time, recognizing that this is really big and complex and recognizing that that conversation needs to be set up in a way that will give space for that challenge. So I think one is trying to find ways to create the right space and context for that conversation to happen. I think the other is being very clear up front that we don't have all of the answers, we don't have all of the data and all of the evidence. So not go in and then risk being exposed or that being a reason not to make progress and have the conversation. That is the reality of where business is at. We are in some places going to have to step into the unknown. We might have to pilot, test. There are ways to de-risk that, staying close to policy, to innovation. But the risk of doing nothing is far greater at the moment than the risk of stepping up and doing something. So it's being realistic upfront about the kinds of evidence and information we're likely to have to make decisions. 
it's still tough and it still does require, I think, some courage and willingness to be able to speak up and speak out and step into the unknown in some places. Do you offer those board members specific tools, techniques that they can overcome these challenges and dare to basically speak up in the boardroom? We do. And in fact, so for many years, we've run a whole range of programs that are really oriented at executives. But increasingly, we're seeing non-execs, board directors choosing to engage, participate in those programs. Those can be very helpful because often they have participants from multiple sectors. So they can see how these issues are playing out for very different industries and regions. And if they sit on multiple boards, that perspective can be helpful. Where we're working in-house with boards, there are a range of things we do. Sometimes it's about understanding where the different board members sit. So we may have one-to-one -one conversations to really explore how they see these issues, what they see as an appropriate level of ambition, the big risks they see, the barriers to progress. Often we will speak to individuals and they personally will be incredibly passionate at a personal level and be really concerned that the business hasn't engaged with this, but will believe that all of their peers don't think the same. They'll see themselves as an outlier. And actually often one of the things we do is just hold a mirror up and say, guess what? You all are sitting here thinking that this Absolutely. is a... So that's the one thing that we do as a neutral entity that we are yeah. able to then bring that in. But often what we'll do is then highlight what are the really big, tough, challenging questions that you as a board are going to have to engage with. Some of those are sometimes about the fundamental business model. There are some sectors that really are facing existential risk and being in denial is not obviously a, a leadership, an appropriate leadership response. So bringing those very real challenges in is one of the things that we do And then, of course, because we're the University of Cambridge and we have an amazing wealth of research and evidence, both about the nature of the challenge, but also about solutions, we're able to bring in really credible experts to be able to provide briefings. Then supporting and facilitating board conversations. We are just publishing this week an example of some work we've done with the British Army, actually where we work with one of the board members who precisely had this challenge of engaging his board. And he talks about how he had to upskill himself so he would be credible and then go through a process of consulting his peers, seeing where there was traction, where was the middle ground, creating space to have that conversation, and then getting to really great you know, strategic alignment, both across the board, but also the executive to take the steps they need to take. So I very often get the question of how do we do this? So in this specific case you studied, how did he do this? He chose to attend one of our programs. He'd been given a remit. This was, uh, he looked after all of the British Army's, their infrastructure, their firm base, their institutional base. So he recognised that climate change posed a really huge risk, but also an opportunity for them as an institution, an opportunity to drive innovation. He felt that he needed to deepen his understanding. So he personally took the time to educate himself so that he was able to be really credible on this. He then engaged with a number of his peers to get the buy-in to create time for the board to take a half day out to step back in order that they could collectively be educated on the most significant risks and impacts and opportunities as they look to the future. So they brought us in to help to really diagnose what are the critical questions and what are the most compelling insights that they need to have the conversation they need to have. 
they had that conversation and if you're interested then kind of where that went in the army's strategy now to respond to this he talks actually really powerfully and thoughtfully about that and how he managed to achieve progress within the board fantastic thank you Maybe to wrap things up, can you provide some insights into leadership qualities that leaders who are on boards need to develop now in order to thrive? Sure. So this is something that our institute has looked at for many years. Leadership is in our name. It's what we do. And we've worked with over 8,000 leaders internationally over the last 30 years. Much of that has been at executive level, increasingly at board. So our views and thinking on this are informed by those engagements and those conversations. We've also done research with leading multinationals to say, what are the capabilities that you feel that you're lacking or that are not being developed at the moment by mainstream approaches? What are the biggest gaps they experience? So my answers aren't specific to board directors, but I've pulled out, I think, those that I uh, think are perhaps most relevant. And the first would be the commitment and the motivation to actually use their influence as board directors, to be leaning into this, to be active, to be using their leadership to contribute to the future we need. And in the context of climate change, that means a net zero future. That means not being passive and reactive. It means being really proactive, recognizing that's good for business. We can't do business on a dead planet, so they have a vested interest. So one is that purpose, focus, motivation. The other is Back to an earlier point that our challenge or what's new is that need to navigate a really complex system. These are not just commercial drivers. It's not just competitive forces. It's really big underlying social and environmental trends. So having the ability to really understand what's going on in the system, how it relates to the business, but also what are the intervention points? Where can the business intervene to create an enabling context? So it is economic in the long term for them to make these choices. How can they positively influence policy or their investors? So finding those leverage points so it makes commercial sense for them. They're not stuck with this, this challenge that we often get that they can't move because it's, it's not economic in the short term. I think back to this point about being challenging and speaking up, I think having that, that courage, that willingness to challenge business as usual, recognizing that this is sometimes seen as a, as a green fluffy agenda, not serious, you know, with all of the, the personal challenges that come with being the person that is speaking up on this, but being willing to do so anyway, because that's what requires required from you as a leader, if you're being true to what the evidence says. So I think that courage is also something that we critically need. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Fantastic. As a note for your diary, new episodes are available every first and third Thursday of the month. Subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts to never miss an episode. We love to hear from you. If you would like to contribute to a future podcast or attend our popular breakfast conversations, and receive regular updates on our activities. You can reach us on info at better-boards.com. Mm -hmm.